0: What's gonna happen tonight? What's gonna happen? Cool. Have you got Ramo yet?
1: Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Disappointing, disappointing game there for the Vols time. I think there were some silver linings time, and we'll talk about that time, because some things were really kind of close to being pretty good time. Maybe that makes it more frustrating time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, not Gainesville, Florida, but Fort Rucker Studio here late on a Saturday evening, a pleasant evening here and. In- God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium, which is not where Tennessee's football game was played tonight. The Vols were in Gainesville, Florida, and we had Patrick Brown, our co-worker, uh, football beat writer, down there for that game. Uh, Quick heads up, normally we would do – we would have the whole staff down there. You know, we usually kind of travel in clusters for games, but – uh, due to some some COVID nineteen restrictions and stuff in the SEC, uh, things are pretty much normal when when you're in uh, when you're the home team. But when you are the away team uh, in these games, they pretty much go back to Zoom only like it was last season. So really, there was no point in us sending everyone down there when we were just going to talk to everybody uh, on Zoom after the game anyway. So we sent uh, Patrick Brown down there to get sort of a the bird's eye view of the game, the classic game because they're down there in the swamp. You got the open press box. There's a lot you can feel about. You know, kind of the sense of the game from there. But the rest of us uh, just kind of chilled at home, uh, like y'all did. And then we just zoomed with the guys after the game. So there's plenty to discuss after Tennessee's loss, I believe 38 to 14 after that final, uh, that last Florida touchdown there. Uh, in, in the swamp uh, not just me on this episode obviously you're going to be joined right now and before we talk more about the game let's just go ahead and introduce the other blowhard who will be talking on this podcast uh, we'll go down to the Blount County Satellite Office Go balls 24-7 and get the one the only Grant Ramey well past his bedtime Grant is doing these late podcasts remind you of uh, you being up after your bedtime uh, during basketball season
2: it does, and Zoom reminds me of basketball season. And staying at the house and watching games on TV reminds me of uh, basketball season. One day we'll, we'll get back to normal, but uh, apparently that's not going to be right now.
1: Yeah, it's not, and and there's plenty to discuss. Although uh, I I don't want to make this an awkward transition here, but one thing that did feel like normal was uh, Tennessee committing self-inflicting uh, uh, self-inflicted harm there against the Florida Gators. And, and I got to tell you, Grant, football is not a game played where. You know, if if, if – I'm going to write a column about this later, but if total yards determined the winners and losers of games, uh, it would be different than if the final score did because the final score is all that really matters. But Tennessee, uh, it, I, I believe, uh, until late in the third quarter, midway through the third quarter, had actually outgained Florida from scrimmage in that game. It was just some really, really unfortunate missed opportunities for the Vols. The penalties that were a problem against Pitt were a problem, again, against Florida, including 30 yards on one particular play, which is – pretty astonishing when you think about it I mean it's unless you're talking about a, a pass interference call in the NFL it's hard to get 30 yards of penalties on the same play Tennessee did that also some drop passes uh, some missed opportunities I, I I don't know whether to look at this as half empty or half full Grant I, I think I'm actually leaning a little bit toward half full but I, I don't really know just yet where, where do you stand on that?
2: I think it's definitely half full, um, despite all the penalties, despite the drops, despite the the ways in this uh, the ways in which this team beat itself against Pittsburgh and beat itself again uh, against Florida. So, I mean, if you beat Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago and you're three 0 you go into that Florida game and you lose it. It's it's kind of like so what? You lost that game. You're kind of expecting to lose that game. What kind of team do you look like uh, coming out of it? I think if you make that field goal at halftime tonight, it's a tie game at the half. If Jimmy Calloway catches that fourth down drag route, it's probably a touchdown and you're tying the game right there. If you make that field goal at halftime, there's a lot of hypothetical situations where if everything goes right, even if you don't commit those penalties, um, even if you have the ball bounce your way a couple of times, maybe you're in that game late and maybe Florida still tries to find a way to win it because they're a better football team than you are in all three phases right now. They got much, much more depth, much more talent. They got a much more everything you can go down the list. Uh, I think the way Tennessee responded in the first half, uh, a quick three and out to start the game, Florida goes down the field like nothing to score, Uh, and the way they had some big plays and they kind of responded on on the ground, through the air. They did a little bit of everything that I thought was impressive. Um, I didn't expect them, even in a perfect world, to win that football game, but the thing moving forward, where it's not cup half full, you can't commit these self-inflicted wounds in a winnable game at Missouri and hope to win it. Uh, in a winnable game against South Carolina and hope to win it. Uh, Kentucky might be a game where you're competitive. You can't be doing this down the road. So it's it's a matter of, you know, when can they show that they're a disciplined football team, uh, a smart football team? I mean, we talked about that after the Pit game. Is that 13 penalties for 134 yards a one-off thing and it was just a bad day at the office? Or is it something where it's going to be a problem consistently throughout the season? And I don't know what the totals were at the end of the night tonight, but it's not obviously what you wanted to see from them kind of in their next big game. So, I mean, you got to fix that stuff. You just don't got to be an idiot moving forward and commit some of those penalties. Uh, and maybe you you take some steps in the right direction and just catch the football, and maybe you can take some positive steps from this.
1: Yeah, I do want to spend the the, the second segment of this episode talking specifically about sort of what to make of this going forward, because I I think it's this game makes me th- think twice um, about some 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 previous ideas that I had about some of Tennessee's struggles this season. I I think there were some really optimistic things you can take from this game if you want to do that, and and I think. We'll discuss that in the second segment because I think that's a very real thing. Um, but, but just to, to keep it on what we saw on Saturday night right here for the first segment, I, I, I do think it's tough because I, I've said all along Jimmy Calloway is going to be a really good football player. I stand by that. I still think that kid is really exciting. He's a really natural football player. He is going to make big plays for Tennessee. He had the ball that he probably could have caught there in the – you know, on the first possession of the game that turned into a punt when they did – he didn't make that play on third down. Not a perfect throw, um, but probably one that he needs to come up with as an SEC wide receiver. And then certainly the one that everyone's going to remember, the one that I'm sure he's kicking himself about right now, the fourth down play where it – you know, you're a PAT away from tying the game right there and the Swamp's starting to get really nervous – if you make that play and it's just right there it was dialed up so perfectly Josh Heupel consistently throughout the night hey if you want to talk about uh some some criticism I I think the execution late in the second quarter on that possession was was pretty horrible um maybe you know Heupel said he wanted to keep pushing the tempo because they thought Florida was on its heels I, I think they wasted a lot of time and I think they 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 cost themselves a chance to either have a shorter field goal, maybe even a touchdown. So I, I, it, it's easy to sit there in hindsight and say what you could have done differently. I didn't like that at the time. I still don't like it. Uh, and I also think the penalties are something that hey, the players are the one are the ones committing the penalties. But as players are either you know you're either you're, you're coaching them to do that or you're allowing it to happen. And since it's happened now twice in the past three games, that's where you can criticize Josh Heupel. But the play calling in this game. I thought was magnificent. I thought it was it was really, really good. They had Florida second-guessing a whole lot. But if, if you want to sit there and be critical, you're, you're sitting there. That ball that, that Callaway catches is directly seven points off the board. He's really fast. They're not catching him. That's a touchdown. Then uh, the end of the second quarter there, Uh, If you're taking, let's be charitable and say that maybe some of that missed time took three points off the board, or you make the field goal, and that's three points. So that's 10 points right there. So you just do those two things, and Tennessee has the lead in the swamp, kind of deep into the third quarter, and you've got yourself a a football game. And and maybe at that point, Florida's depth uh, still overcomes Tennessee. In fact, I think it probably would have, but we'll never know, uh, because Tennessee really kind of let Florida off the hook there, And, and that is what's tough to to grapple with because you want to say man they exceeded expectations in some ways because they absolutely did but it is really hard to go down to Gainesville Florida and beat Florida and anytime you have a chance to do it even a puncher's chance and you cost it yourself that that's painful and I think that's something that that that's why I still want to say it's half full but like Man, if they had just done a couple things, Grant, that's a real football game.
2: Yeah, and I mean, if you if you ask yourself before the game 17-14 and a half, do you take that? Of course you take that. Um, but, yeah, you're right. The, the way that, that final drive, I mean, it was an impressive drive in the way that they moved the football after it looked like Florida was about to go down and score. They, they get that strip there at the 10-yard line. That was huge. And they turn it around and they go down the field and they put themselves in right on the fringe of, of field goal ranges, as Josh Heupel said, after the – after the game, and he said he thought they could get something in the scene. They could catch Florida off guard. He said they spotted the ball a little bit quicker than he anticipated. I guess that was on one of the final plays where they didn't take a timeout and they kept the ball moving um, and eventually settled for that. I think it was a 47 yard attempt and yeah i mean jimmy callaway on fourth and five on that drag route you know a good receiver is thinking first and foremost to catch the football and then whatever else happens happens but on that play he's probably thinking man i'm wide open on this drag yeah. route where's yep. the where's the down and distance where's the markers where do i need to get to he's looking back at the quarterback he's probably thinking about turning up field um what's gonna what's ahead of him once he does turn up field and once you start thinking about all that stuff you don't catch the football you don't do the most simple basic thing and yeah you're 100% right this Tennessee team was mistakes and lack of execution and lack of discipline away from probably having a chance late in the third quarter into the fourth quarter to be in this football game against a team that's uh, like we laid out very much way ahead of you in terms of where their program is and where your program is right now and where you're trying to get to Dan Mullen he's a guy that really calls uh, an excellent offensive football game, kind of regardless of, of what they're doing. If it's, you know, thrown for 400 yards a game or rushing for 250 or just about any way that you can do it, he does it. And he finds a way to do it consistently and successfully. So I do think if Tennessee played the perfect game, they're still going to get wore down in the fourth quarter because of the lines of scrimmage and just kind of what they have to work with. Um, but you can't be – keep doing this stuff. It's, it's like uh, Dwight Schrute when he said – the greatest advice Michael Scott ever gave him was don't be an idiot. Just don't make stupid plays. And if you can make some progress there, don't make stupid mistakes, catch the football. Um, You you got a chance to be a much better team with some winnable games coming up on the schedule.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think Florida's depth at the end of that game would have sort of been too much. It probably would have overwhelmed Tennessee anyway. But the X factor there is that when you're a team on the road and you're a heavy underdog, and you're either tied or you're in front there late in the game, and you got nothing to lose, really. You are a really, really dangerous team. And cause Florida's thinking about competing for SEC championships and getting back to Atlanta, getting another shot at Bama, getting into the playoff, winning a national title. Those are tangible goals for Florida. Those are things that 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 are, are within Florida's grasp. I think that's a, a pretty solid football team that, that can do a lot of things. And I've said for months that everyone assuming Georgia was just going to run away with the East and hide, I, I never agreed with that. I think Florida – I think Dan Mullen's too good of a coach, and I think Florida's got some ability, some X-factor stuff there with the quarterback run and all that. That That's just – they're a tough team to play, and that's a tough offense to scheme for. So, so I think it probably wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game, but, man, it may be – it really changes the complexion of it, and it puts Florida on its heels. Uh, so there's a lot to discuss about that, and we'll have certainly – two or three more you know, podcast episodes before the next game at Missouri, which is a huge game uh, to discuss all that. But before we go to break here, Grant, your thoughts on Hendon Hooker tonight, you know, Heupel said after the game, he told us that, that Joe Milton, he didn't want to play him. He didn't think that the way he looked physically at the end of the week, coming back from that knee, he just really didn't want to use Joe Milton unless he had to in this game. And, and I thought Hendon Hooker, while yes, that throw to Princeton fan was just, it was rough, man. <laughs> you got to make that throw. Um, you know, it's easy to say that from here, but you gotta make that throw. Overall, though, I thought Hooker did some really good things. And I, I think that right now, if Hooker is healthy and we'll see where his knees at and all that, but I, I think he's your guy right now, probably based off of this, isn't he?
2: I, I think so for sure. I think the way he's played, uh, the way he played tonight, I think it would be hard for Joe Milton to overcome him right now. Just because Hendon, obviously, you hit that deep ball to Javante Payton. Everybody wanted to see that. You had to do that. They got it out of of their system a little bit. And I think he hits, who was that, Princeton Fant or Jacob Warren on that wide-open cross-field pass. I think he makes that play if he has a cleaner pocket. I mean, he's stepping into pressure, and he does overthrow it pretty drastically. But, you know, he was obviously under a lot of pressure. I think he's – given what he's playing behind with, with Cooper Mays, as banged up as he was, as limping as much as he was, um, as much as Florida was pressuring him, I think he does find tough yards when he, the pocket does break down he ha- does have to run. I think he puts the ball, for the most part, on the receiver's hands. Uh, we've talked drops at length. I mean, he's got to get some help there. Um, for for the lack of help he hasn't had, I think he has made the most of his opportunity. And I think if I'm if I'm Hypo, if I'm Alex Billish, I think that's the guy I want to stick with because that's the guy you've seen the most from and you've seen the most from consistently.
1: And still a guy that has two years to play. This does not have to be his final season. So, uh, again, I'm a sky high on anyone uh, for Joe Milton's upside, and I still very much believe that. But I also think you have to be realistic. And right now he is struggling somewhere, whether it's just something he physically can't do or he is just having a mental block. Whatever it is, he's doing things in games that he's not doing in practice. He's missing throws he's got to make. He's a little dinged up right now. I, I think if you're trying to compete and win games right now, based on what we've seen, Hooker's your guy, if he's healthy. Now, he did get dinged up the, at the end of the game. And the last thing I'll say before we go to break is we saw again, though, in this game, Tennessee's lack of depth may have you know made it a big deal anyway, but we saw sort of late in that game when that thing started to get away from Tennessee a little bit, Hendon Hooker is, has always been, and almost always will be probably a guy who when you have the ability to run or throw in a game with the score, he is a very dangerous player when you know you've got to come from behind and you've probably got to push the ball vertically in the passing game, he is not as effective. Uh, That's just not his strength, and that's something that, you know, in games like this, I think that's something, you know, going forward, something that might be Tennessee's – something they got to consider. But for right now, I I think there's pretty much no question he is – he is your best bet if he's healthy. So we'll see how they handle that. We'll see where things go moving forward. But I I think there's a lot – to discuss about what this game means for Tennessee moving forward. And I think that's probably a much more potentially optimistic discussion and I think one that needs to be had because there's probably a lot of people frustrated tonight, and I'm sure they are, about losing another game to Florida like this where it's self-inflicted wounds, penalties, drop balls, et cetera, missed assignments, yada, yada. But I think we saw some things from Tennessee in this game that if they can thread this needle – and do the things it looks like they're capable of doing, I think they got a chance to be a competitive football team this year. So let's go take a quick break, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, et cetera, and then we'll be back to discuss that very topic here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad.
0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and how sad you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker, Grant Ramey talking to you about Tennessee football in the aftermath of a 38-14 loss in Gainesville, Florida at the Swamp on Saturday night to the 11th ranked Florida Gators. Tennessee very much competing in that game, very much having... A chance, you know, and, and just could not see the thing through. Plenty to discuss about that. We're going to talk a little bit more about the future going forward here in a little bit. But before we do that, quickly, guys, just a quick reminder, take about 90 seconds out of your day right now, please, and hit the subscribe button on this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, there's no problem. We love you. There's no wrong way to listen to this podcast. But what really helps is if you go in there, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher. Anywhere in the world, you can cast the fine pod. You can you can find this Govols twenty four seven podcast. But please go in there and subscribe. Please rate and review. There's nothing you can do that would help us more than that. So please go in there, drop a drop a review, drop a rating, uh, tell us what you think, and we will. That will help us a lot because we've grown this thing since we started it years ago, and we grow it every week, every month, every year. Uh, and if y'all keep doing that and keep telling your friends, we'll keep growing it more and more and I think we'll have even more fun doing this. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Grant, with this game specifically, we saw for a while tonight in this game that for the first time since, uh, I guess maybe midway through the pit game, uh, Tennessee again had the fi- its five best offensive linemen and its two best running backs healthy or at least healthy enough to play at the same time. And when that group of seven guys was together – Tennessee was able to run the ball efficiently and sometimes explosively against what I think is a pretty darn decent Florida defense. Maybe not an elite Florida defense, uh, but a, a good Florida defense with lots of speed, lots of athleticism. Tennessee rushed for more yards per carry against Florida than Alabama did, and I think that's something that cannot be taken lightly. That does matter. Uh, and then, of course, Cooper Mays gets hurt again, hurts his knee. I believe he smashed his – I'm not sure if it was the same knee, to be honest. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, and I, I think it was his left pinky that he also mashed pretty hard there uh, and had to get it splinted up to, to play for a while. Can't question the kid's toughness. He he played his ass off, man. He was in there. He They had to drag him back out of the game. Uh, so credit him for his toughness there. But he was not effective after those injuries. Uh, he had He had some struggles with some snaps before that. And after the injuries, he was getting pushed around a good bit. So they had to make that change again. But when those seven guys were out there, Grant, those five offensive linemen and Tyon Evans and Jabari Small, Tennessee was able to run the football against Florida. And if Tennessee can somehow, with with duct tape, super glue, keep those seven guys together, I think they got a chance to run the ball.
2: I think they definitely have a chance to run the ball. I mean, I think you can go back to to Bowling Green when they ran for 330. I mean, I don't don't think Bowling Green is – Obviously that great of a football team, but that was a pretty good sign. Hey, in week it, it, one it beat Minnesota, beat Minnesota today. <laughs> that's right. They, they rode the boat in Minnesota today. Uh, you can. I mean, if you can do 330 in week one, year one against any opponent, I think that's a good sign of progress. It was really kind of underwhelming uh, a lot of the game against Pitt. And then obviously last week against Tennessee Tech, what they weren't able to do or the push they weren't able to get in the run game, it made you wonder what's going to happen when they get in the SEC. And they really have to – be able to rely on moving the sticks, running the football every now and then to give your defense a breath. You obviously just can't go three and out quickly and expect your defense to get in there and get stops. But to the way they kind of gash Florida at times, uh, to get 11, to get eight, to get nine, uh, the tough runs that, that Tyon Evans had, the stuff that you got from Javari Small, uh, even Tyon to catching the pass out of the back a screen that was blocked really well and turned it into an explosive play and a touchdown, I mean – that's the stuff that you're going to have to have out of this offense. And it's just a matter of a, can they get Cooper Mays healthy and how quickly or B can they find the next combination of five that can play at a level similar to what that first five plays? I mean, it's, it's really bad luck injury wise with what's gone on with Cooper Mays this first month of the season. Um, But at some point you have to figure out what's your second option and, and can you get that option up to speed as quickly as you can, because I mean, unfortunately it just looks like, Cooper, I mean, obviously like you said, Cooper Mays the, the want to and the desire and the buy-in is there because he was trying to stay in the game as long as he could until he basically physically couldn't do it anymore. Um, so you're going to have to find those answers quickly because you have winnable games coming up and you like what you've seen so far in these flashes. It's just a matter of, can you find those flashes with, with whoever you have available?
1: And we'll say this again for the, probably the eighth millionth time. If, K-Ron Calvert had not gotten hurt in preseason camp. You could slide Carvin over to center. You could play K-Ron Calvert at guard. That's a big physical man mover, Calvert is. When he's healthy, I've said for a long time, I think that kid has NFL ability. He just can't, since going back to high school, he just can't stay healthy. Uh, And it's just an unfortunate thing. I mean, we've seen that with Kevin Simon and others throughout the years at Tennessee. You know, the the, the best, you know, what's that they say? The, uh, about availability being the best ability that a player can have i mean it is it, it matters it
2: is availability right and i mean this is just kind of where this program is right now with all the the season uh roster turnover um the the preseason injuries i mean uh kingston harris didn't make the trip he had a, some kind of procedure on his knee this week and didn't travel uh according to the Ball network uh pregame i mean there's it's just, you, it is what it is with this line. I mean, there wasn't a ton of depth in a perfect world to start the season. If everybody was healthy and then you take start chipping away at that, this guy has this injury, this guy has this injury. And you try to figure out your next five. I mean, you really barely had five to start with that you really liked. And here you are with multiple injuries already the first month of the season. And you're just trying to kind of make patchwork fixes as you go. So any moving of the football they were able to do against Florida was impressive, but um, it's gonna it's gonna take you know more impressive work moving forward to to keep finding some kind of answer on the ground with all the injuries.
1: And we've said this for a long time, and and it's nice to be proven right occasionally, uh, because I think we've all said now for a long time that Jabari Small and Todd Evans are good players. And when they're healthy, those are two SEC-caliber running backs. I don't. I mean, I'm not talking about Doak Walker or Heisman guys or anything, but those are good football players. Those are guys who who can help you. Guys who have a chance to play at the next level. Those are those are good options at running back. Uh, Tennessee does not miss Eric Gray nearly as much as I thought it would, uh, and and that's a compliment to those two young men. Getting Evans obviously was a huge get out of juco, and then Jabari Small's just kind of gotten better consistently since he's been at Tennessee, and he's a, he's naturally kind of instinctual there he's a tough runner for his size Uh, there's a lot to like there Uh, it's just a matter of can they have enough room to operate and can the score in the game be at a point where Tennessee's run remains a threat because the pace at which Tennessee plays offensively will keep Tennessee in a lot of games even if you think Tennessee's out of a game it's not necessarily completely out of a game it should have the ability to come back and do some things but you know, you, you gotta, you, you have to have guys healthy, and you have to have a chance in the game. And I think defensively, what we saw in that game quickly, uh, we, we saw the same thing, Grant, that we saw against Pitt uh, to a much greater degree because Emory Jones is a much better athlete. I mean, Kenny Pickett's a good athlete, Emory Jones is a really good athlete, and, and when when people get out of the pocket against Tennessee, this defense gets really vertical. And if quarterbacks get out of the pocket, it is bad news. It's bad news if a quarterback gets out of the pocket because he's going to have room to roam because of the way this defense plays. And that is that is what it is, and I think that they've got some issues there. I think they really are going to have to think about making some changes at the safety position. I, I know that for all the plays Theo Jackson's made at Nickel, I know he's also made some mistakes this season. I'm not forgetting that. I'm not denying that. But Theo Jackson's also out there making big plays. Uh, those those two veteran safeties, uh, McCullough in particular, are just they're just not playing great football right now. And, and I think they might still be the best option for Tennessee. Uh, but but the more evidence that we see on a week to week basis continues to throw that into in, into question. And then some of those inside linebacker concerns are still very real too. But they're 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 doing enough defensively to be decent. And, and I think. I think they can be okay there. They just, they just can't have guys
2: keep getting hurt. I I did think they had some impressive uh, moments as a whole, defensively, some, some finding some answers when it looked like it was going to be really tough uh, to find answers uh, against a good Florida team that seemed to be running downhill at times. I mean, we laid out in Thursday's podcast, just how important containing the quarterback was going to be. I mean, Florida's got the second best rushing offense in the country and they're two leading rushers are their quarterbacks, Emory Jones and and Anthony Richardson, who still hasn't played uh, in a couple weeks. But, I mean, if if, yeah, and we saw Kenny Pickett, as as much as he got out of the pocket a couple weeks ago and what he was able to do down the field and as much time as he had once he did escape the pocket and how things kind of broke down, you knew that in this game if Emory Jones broke contain, it was going to be big trouble, and it was big trouble over and over. And and sometimes they got caught uh, blitzing guys, sometimes they got caught with a spy that just couldn't make the play. Juwan Mitchell might've been spying and, and just couldn't make the play downfield uh, or whatever it was, but yeah, you got to find fixes there. Uh, first and foremost, contain the quarterback. I thought they held up decent at times against the run, even though Florida's numbers were, were up there by the end of the game. Uh, yeah. And then safety, I mean, Jalen McCullough, especially, it's just been kind of one rough play after the next for him. So you got to find answers kind of at all three levels. Um, stopping the run, um, containing quarterbacks, and then making plays at safety. Because right now, that's probably the biggest glaring kind of weakness uh, in the secondary is that safety spot, and then at linebacker is just finding somebody that can contain.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know that that if they played Christian Charles and or Tamerian McDonald right now, I don't know if it would get better or get worse. Uh, and to be honest with you, we, we don't see practice during the regular season. We just haven't because of the, the schedule and Heupel just isn't isn't bending on that. So so there's a lot that we can't tell you. We just have to go by what we see uh, on a week-to-week basis right now and things we hear from people within the program. And and, and so I, I, generally speaking, will, will give coaches the benefit of the doubt on they're trying to win games and they're going to want to put their best 11 out there on offense, defense, and special teams in order to make that happen. But – I, I don't know if it would get better or worse with those two young safeties or one of the two, but it, at some point it's going to be something that you have to look at, just because you you have to you have to consider the, your options there uh, because they just they need to get better play there because I think on the edges they're getting good enough play, uh, I, I think at corner they're getting good enough play, uh, they just they the the inside linebacker spots and especially the safety spots, they just they have to. They have to do something there. Uh, they got to get better with what they have, or they got to try some new guys because they're 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 having some issues there. And, and, and I don't know that that they can be corrected, but but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I, it, it just when you watch the film and you, and you watch these games and you just go, man, I just expected more from those guys. Like I, man, I, I've been high on Trayvon Flowers for years. I thought he could be a good player, and I think the world of Jalen McCullough, He's a smart dude, and he out he, he knows the defense. You know, he's had some bad luck with injuries, but. At the end of the day, you gotta go with the guys that give you the best chance to win. And it's it's getting hard to to sometimes see how those guys are, are the ones giving you the best chance to win. Maybe they are. I don't know. That's another discussion for another day, and we can kick that one down, down the curve. But but I think there there were a lot of things to like about that game. But Grant, I gotta tell you, but before we get out of here in just a little bit, I, I, I think it's important to to mention that. I, I'm not just – and I don't think any of us should just discuss Tennessee in a vacuum when we're talking about how Tennessee could perform this year because Tennessee is only 50% of the opponent, in, you know, the combatant in every game. It's about the the other guys you're playing too. And based on what we've seen from Tennessee overall so far this season uh, compared to some of those other teams that are left on the schedule, Alabama and Georgia is what it is. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be tough. Ole Miss, that offense – I think Tennessee can score a lot of points on Ole Miss's defense, but I think Ole Miss can score more points on Tennessee's defense. Uh, You know, I I just think that's the way that game's going to go. But the rest of those games on the schedule, you know, Missouri goes to Boston College today and loses. And BC's got a good coach. But, uh, again, that's that's a game that Mizzou probably thought it should have won. And and I think talent-wise probably should have won, but it didn't. You look at Kentucky's past two weeks, barely beat Chattanooga, barely beat South Carolina today. Uh, then you look at South Carolina, some of those struggles with, with Shane Beamer in that first-year system. And then Vanderbilt, what can you say? I mean, just, golly, they were down 35 nothing before you could snap your fingers today against Georgia. So that is what it is. You look at the rest of the games on the schedule, Grant, it's not just about Tennessee. It's about the other teams out there. And, boy, they've got a lot of problems too.
2: For sure. Georgia. I saw Georgia had eight touchdowns to Vanderbilt's four first-ends. Yeah. So they doubled up the number of first downs with touchdowns, which is which is just incredible. They had um, more,
1: they had more point they had more uh, points than Vanderbilt had yards.
2: And it was one of those games where it's just a it's a Georgia home game in Nashville, which is just yeah I don't know it just kind of is what it is. But yeah, you're exactly right. Missouri, I didn't know what to make of Missouri going into the season. I still don't know what to make of Missouri, but they're probably a lot worse than I maybe gave them credit for. So I definitely think that's a winnable game. Kentucky defensively seems tough, but offensively they seem a little bit challenged right now. Uh, I'm still in that dismissive, not a chance against Ole Miss because I just don't see it happening. Uh, And (laughs) then you mentioned Georgia and Alabama being what they are. But, yeah, I mean, South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, uh, you still got a South Alabama game in November. There's a ton of winnable games um, based just if you're just looking at the competition. And then if you look at Tennessee, it's – I don't know, it's it's weird to say – the way they failed at Florida looked like different than the ways they've failed against Florida in the past, um, schematically. But it,
1: uh, it kind of felt different.
2: Schematically, play calling, it felt like that they had some stuff there to build on. It wasn't just a complete fall on your face. Um, there was some execution and there was, uh, I don't know, just some, some competitive stuff that we haven't seen in the past where, where Florida gets up early and Tennessee kind of rolls over. It felt like Tennessee – punch back a little bit in different ways in this one. And and you can build on that a lot easier than if you don't have any penalties, you don't have any drops, but you're just not executing the scheme at all and you're defensively falling apart. It felt like defensively they got some amateurs when they needed some answers. It felt like offensively they hit some big plays when they needed to or they ran the football when they needed to. I think it's a lot easier to build on this stuff moving forward by just becoming more disciplined and, and just, you know, addressing the drops in however whatever way you can address that than it would be if the scheme's not there if the execution's not there obviously we've we've talked about the roster deficiencies and all that stuff and and the injuries that are that are piling up and it still feels like they're making progress in the scheme and in the offense and in the defense if they can continue to make that scheme uh, that progress the further they get in the schedule and with some of these teams coming up it feels like they can build on this even though it also feels like you just shot yourself in the foot nonstop in Gainesville, if that makes sense. Yeah,
1: it does. It, it, the way I'm thinking about it right now, and again, but, but by the time that, that we drop this podcast and then I write a column, I might change my mind in some ways because that's sometimes how the human brain works. But but I, I, I think what I'm leaning toward right now is something to the effect of if Tennessee is doing this same stuff at the end of the season, it will be a colossal disappointment because you let penalties and missed execution on excellent play calls doom your season to defeat. And that is an absolute killer, because if someone beats you because they're just better than you, that's one thing. you got to tip your cap and move on. But when it is something that you could have controlled and you didn't, what's, what's every football coach that I've ever covered says the phrase control the controllables, right? You, you can control those things. You can control not getting dumb 15-yard penalties. You can control catching a ball that hits you perfectly in the hands in stride. You, you can do those things. You, you know, there were a couple times tonight where Tennessee, uh, two or three times tonight where Tennessee's looking to the sideline, receivers were looking to the sideline as the ball was snapped. Okay, that that's not okay. We couldn't not mention this. They had nine guys out there on a punt return because Valus Jones Jr. and Trayvon Flowers both wear number one, and they are – two of Tennessee's punt return guys and and they both went back out there to return a punt. And so it was like, Oh God. And they both ran off the field in fear. And then Tennessee had nine guys out there for a punt. So Florida gets a 58 yard net punt because no one can catch it. And they flip the field and that's two first downs that you cost yourself just by not doing that. And it could have been a lot worse. Those are things that if this, if that's still happening in two months or six weeks, seven, eight weeks, whenever it is, that's a disappointment. But right now, It's something you can look at and almost optimistically and say, man, if that gets better, just those little things, this can be a better season. But with that also said, you have got to stay as healthy as you possibly can. Uh, If Elijah Simmons, if that knee injury is anything serious, and it happens in the last three minutes of a game that was in garbage time, that's that's bad. You can't have that happen. That's something that you can't allow to happen. So – They've got to stay as healthy as they possibly can. I know Latrell Bumpus got hurt again tonight. I know Tyler Barron is, is dinged up and trying his best to play through it. Uh, I know that, that you know Cooper Mays is out there trying to do anything he can to play. Tyon Evans goes back into the medical tent before he comes back out tonight. They can't afford these things, and maybe that's something they can't control. But if they can control the things they can control and get a little bit luckier with some of these injuries, I think they could have a decent season.
2: Yeah, and you're definitely still in that grace period uh, as a head coach in year one. At this point, uh, you know, Heiple said a lot of during Bowling Green week, year one, week one, all that stuff. Like you're just getting started. Yeah, it's still kind of this is year one, first SEC game, first road game, kind of first, still a little bit of first of everything. And yeah, you're 100 percent right. If if what you're doing now is still what you're doing in December, uh, sorry, in November uh, against the South Alabama against a. Um, uh, Vanderbilt teams like that if you're still making these mistakes yeah that's that's when you really can kind of pinpoint it's 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 on this coaching staff that they're not getting the job done in the way that they're um, getting their team to execute I mean that's their job you have to play with the guys you got whatever the roster is whatever the injury report is you have to find a way to best execute with those guys on the field and give yourself a chance to win they're not doing that now they are in some ways, you know, making progress and you can see it a little bit, uh, kind of in baby steps, but yeah, if they're not doing it three months from now, or whatever, how many weeks that is from now, uh, then yeah, you start to wonder, uh, how many wasted opportunities there have been along the way, because there's already been one wasted opportunity. They should have beat it They didn't because 13 penalties, 134 yards and turnovers and, and everything else. Um, Florida, you know, it is what it is. We talked about it. Probably weren't going to win that game regardless, even if you played your best uh, football, perfect game, all that stuff. But you can't let this stuff keep biting you as you go through the schedule when there are winnable games coming up on the schedule.
1: Yeah, I think that as a first-year head coach taking over a situation where, again, it needs to be mentioned, again, just in case anybody forgot, which I don't think you did, but just in case you did, Tennessee lost more players to the portal than any other program in the country. Tennessee had a lot of its best players also go through the portal. Tennessee is completely changing the way that it's playing offense and defense. If, if, if within eight months or however long it's been since Heupel's really been in Knoxville, if you can't get uh, if you can't get the players to play your brand of football the way you want it played, that's not that's not your fault. You know, that's not your fault as a head coach. If you if you don't have the talent your first year to compete, that's not your fault as a coach. Um, but by the end of your first season, you need to be making sure you got 11 guys on the field. That is your job as a coach. You need to make sure that your guys are not committing 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 penalties in a game. That is on you as a coach. You, you have to manage the clock better at the end of, of halves. That is on you as a coach. There are things that you can control, and if Tennessee would just do those things – I really like this guy's offensive mind, and I really like – I think it's going to be a fun brand of football at Tennessee. I think they're going to put points on the board. Um, So there's a lot of these things that I'm I'm not allowing – I'm not giving him a free pass. I'm just saying if it's still happening in six, seven, eight weeks, get back to me. I'll be right there with you. But right now, if you are completely just anti what they're doing here – I think it's way too soon to know that. So I I just I I think there are a lot of things that he can't control, and that's okay. But you just got to control the things you can't control. Does that make sense? I mean,
2: yeah. And Dan Mullen had a quote after the game um, about how this Tennessee team looked different than the one they faced last year, and more physicality and more competitiveness, or whatever. And I don't know. Tennessee fans aren't going to take any solace in a quote like that. That's not really. They're way past the point of. Um, I don't know. They've been through this, they've been down this road so many times before with multiple head coaches in the past that it's almost like, you know, I'll believe it when I see it down the road, but I do think there are some some building blocks here as as much as it, it can be hard to see at times, and that's what it's going to require. A lot of building blocks stacked on top of each other as you move through the schedule. I mean, it's going to take multiple years uh, for this coaching staff to, to flip this roster, to, to put their culture their program everything in place um yeah and i mean obviously the port- portal is what it is and everything that happened in january and the way all of that stuff played out and the ncaa stuff that's still hovering around i mean it's going to take a while and you're going to have to look for little bits of progress and little baby steps here along the way because that's just the, the speed at which you're going to have to move hypo says over and over and over and over that they're in a race to, to be as good as they can as fast as they can but that that pace is going to be pretty slow because they have so much to overcome that you're going to have to find some uh, in some dark days, some dark games. You're going to, have to find little little bits of uh, little bits of light, just
1: like you are the little bit of light in this sunshine. Uh, you're the little bit of little little ray of sunshine in this podcast. Grant, that, that's what you are. I'm,
2: a, I'm the beaming. I'm the beaming sun. I'm the, the no clouds in the sky. 100-degree day.
1: There you go. Speaking of beaming lights of sun, I think you got to go teach Sunday school in like just a few hours. So go ahead and get your holy backside out of here. See you later. See you, man. And that should just about wrap us up for this edition of the Go Valls 24-7 podcast. Thanks to Grant for joining us. Thanks to all y'all for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we will have Patrick Brown. Certainly back on with us Monday because uh, he was down there in Gainesville, but we needed to let him have time to, to write tonight. So there was a lot of stuff that he needed to get to. So we let him do that gracefully and we move on. Guys, you can find all of us on Twitter. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news in your feed, you can get that at twitter.com slash go boss 24-7. You can also go to Facebook dot com slash 24 247 and get tons of Tennessee news there all day, every day. But if you want that best, most delicious, most crystal clear, just beautiful, delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring water directly from the tap, go to dot 247com the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Lady Vols coverage, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all year long. We've got two forums, got the checkerboard and the summit that are open 24 hours a day and seven days a week, and we are on there constantly. Uh, the the five of us on the staff, we are there all the time to answer your questions and to talk anything that is not political or religious in nature. So you get all of that, couple fresh, a couple, of fresh, what, a couple of dozen or so fresh content items every single day, the best database in all of college sports, All of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month after a seven-day free trial. And if you pay us that ridiculously reasonable rate, then you get, in perpetuity, access to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. That's every show CBS has ever made commercial-free, tons of exclusive uh, Paramount Plus-only shows. Like, you got The uh, Evil, you you got uh, Picard, some Star Trek stuff. Got a couple of uh, Yellowstone spinoffs coming to Paramount+. Plus. You know, a, a brand new, The Mayor of Kingstown. Tons and tons. That's a great cast on that show. All of that, plus new movies every single month. Classic movies there all the time. Live sports with Tennessee sports, SEC sports, NCAA sports, college basketball, NCAA tournament, college football, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, Serie A. You got CONCACAF qualifying, other World Cup qualifying games. All of that, guys, and so much more, including stuff from the vaults of not just CBS, but also Nickelodeon, Smithsonian, MTV, BET, and Comedy Central. So something for the entire family. A $100-plus annual value that we will put in your pocket for free. No questions asked if you just do what is pretty simple and take advantage of an already great deal to come to govals 247com If there's no big breaking news, you should hear from us again on Monday afternoon. So we'll have plenty to talk about with a huge Tennessee game coming up against Mizzou on the road in Columbia, in Como next week. Tons to discuss then. So until then, guys, please be careful with the virus out there. Please, please be careful. Please wear face masks when it's appropriate. Please wash your hands. Please, for the love of God, get that vaccine. We're so close to getting through this, guys. If we, just, we could turn the corner, if we would just do that. Uh, but if nothing else, just just be nice to each other. There, there's too much hostility in the world, too much nastiness. And we need to be better than that. So on that note, let's get out of here. See you. Okay, picture this.
0: It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.